Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Please be seated. One of my most profound experiences of doubt happened right here at Calvary St. George's. It was Holy Week of 2018. I had recently gone to see Jacob and told him that I was interested in entering the discernment process to pursue ordination. I was so excited for all of the triduum services. Life was good. I was an acolyte at the Easter vigil And I remember sitting in the pew, in the dark, listening to the Old Testament readings, when suddenly I was struck by this overwhelming sense of absurdity and nihilism. Did I really actually believe any of this? That someone was raised from the dead? What were we doing there anyways? I was really unnerved. But after a couple of minutes, it passed, and I was once again swept up in the the beauty and the emotion of worship. But then it struck again, and and I went back to that place of extreme skepticism. And throughout that whole service, my emotions swung like a pendulum. I remember thinking that it felt like there was a light switch inside my head, and someone was flipping it on and off. Belief, doubt, belief, doubt. And afterwards, I was shaken to my core. I felt out of control of my faith. And that was the one thing that it felt like I really needed to be in control of if I was called to be a priest. I had no idea what to do. Doubt is a universal experience. All of us feel it at some point or another. It can be small, it can be big, Sometimes it hits us all at once, like it did for me that Holy Saturday six years ago. Sometimes it sort of creeps in and builds over time. But regardless of how we experience it, we are, in all, we are all, in some ways, like Thomas. For Thomas, after the crucifixion, when all the other disciples were still hanging out together, he went off on his own. His rabbi and lord who had made so many promises, had just died on a cross, a horrible death reserved for the lowest of the low. For him, it just seemed like it was all over. So when his disciple buddies found him and said, we saw Jesus, he just didn't have it in himself to jump on that bandwagon. I'll believe it when I see it, when that physical evidence is right in front of me and I can reach out and touch him. The thing here is that Thomas's doubt doesn't come from lack of faith. Rather, his doubt comes from a faith that a few days earlier was eager and trusting and now is simply struggling to overcome the blow of the crucifixion. When you're wired to believe like we humans are, doubt can be deeply wounding. Belief gives us a sense of identity and community. Thomas believed that he was a chosen disciple of Jesus, 
part of a larger community that was about to bring about the kingdom of God. And we believe that we're children of God, forgiven by grace, brothers and sisters with everyone who sit in the pew beside us. And doubt strikes at the core of both identity and belonging. Thomas just didn't see how he could be a disciple of a dead rabbi, and that chased him away from his community. And when doubt creeps into us, when it threatens our core understanding of ourselves, we start to question. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then are we actually forgiven? If this is a myth or a fairy tale, then does anything we do here really matter? If we walk away from church, from belief, does that community that we used to hold dear, will it, will it still be there for us? The questions and the fears and the skepticism, they cut us deeply. But there is hope, even in the midst of the darkness of doubt. Thomas cared enough to be present with the other disciples when Jesus appeared again a week later. And Jesus gently confronts him. He doesn't chide him or criticize him. He offers him peace. And then he says, here are my wounds. See and touch my hands and my side. The beauty of this encounter is that Jesus meets the wounds of Thomas's doubt with none other than the wounds of his own crucifixion. Thomas doesn't talk himself out of his doubt. He doesn't convince himself to believe before that encounter. His faith is restored at the sight of Jesus' wounds. And in a sense, it's the same way for us, even though we can't see Jesus or his wounds physically. Jesus' crucifixion doesn't mean that we are simply forgiven for our sins, the things that we do that hurt one another. It means that our minds and our souls are healed so that we can believe in him. The son of God's willingness to become human and die for us, to enter into the essence of our mortality and our weakness, is the medicine that we need to be able to see past our doubts and to find true belief. His weakness matched ours so that his wounds could heal ours. As I processed my own doubt in the weeks following that fateful Easter vigil, I realized that I was very comfortable with the idea that I needed forgiveness and grace for my sins, but that I was very uncomfortable with the idea that I needed grace to have any belief in the first place. I wanted to have the perfect intellect that could answer all the questions and explain why anyone would, with any sense would want to follow Jesus, or at least an intellect that could explain why I wanted to follow Jesus. And the doubt that overwhelmed me that night ripped away from me any sense that I could produce that belief. And the wound that it left was ugly. But Jesus met me there, and his wounds healed mine. 
And eventually, I realized that my faith was far more secure in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus than it was in my own. And for that, I am deeply grateful, especially as a priest. Thomas's response to Jesus in this encounter is unique in the Gospel of John and in all of the Gospels. We might have expected him to reach out and touch Jesus's wounds, just to be sure, just as he had claimed that he needed to. Instead, he looked at Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. Thomas is the only person in all of the Gospels who unequivocally calls Jesus God. Where all the other disciples were still trying to figure it out, what did this crazy resurrection mean? Thomas knew. There was no other explanation for what he saw in front of him than that this rabbi and teacher whom he had followed for the past three years who had healed and preached and eaten with him and then had died and now stood before him alive. This Jesus was God. This was beyond countercultural. Judaism distinguished itself from all other religions by its monotheism, by its belief in one God who definitely did not appear in human form. Thomas's words show the height of belief to which Jesus' wounds brought him. He might have started out as the disciple who walked away in doubt after the crucifixion, but Jesus met him in his wounds, and in that encounter, transformed him into the disciple who showed everyone else Jesus' true identity. And all this is written so that we also may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God, and through that belief, find life in his name. And in the midst of this, the doubt will be there. It will wound us. Sometimes the wound will heal quickly. Sometimes the wound will linger for months or years. But Jesus meets our wounds with his wounds. And more than that, he heals our wounds with his wounds. Because of this, we can wait and hope in confidence for the day when we will stand before Jesus and exclaim with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.